Thanks for joining us for Jones Day Talks, Perspectives and Pathways. Job interviews are by their very nature stressful, at least for most of us. That's especially true when you're a young lawyer or law student trying to start your career with a firm where you believe you'll be able to learn and excel. But there are some steps you can take to make sure you give that interview your best shot. In today's program, partner Miguel Eaton talks with associates Stephanie Rodriguez and Alexander Gonzalez about preparing for and succeeding in callback interviews. Just so you know who your panel is, Miguel Eaton co-leads Jones Day's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Practice and serves on the Washington Office's Recruiting Committee. Los Angeles associate Stephanie Rodriguez joined our new lawyers group in 2021, as did associate Alex Gonzalez. He's based in our New York office. Miguel, you've got a lot to cover today. Thanks for being here. I'm going to kick it right over to you. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for joining us for this next episode in our recruiting podcast series. The subject today is going to be preparing for and doing well on your callback interview. So just to set the stage for you, you survived OCI. Congratulations. So you met with two, probably two attorneys from a particular firm or lots of different firms, and they have decided to call you back to their office to meet more people so you can help make a decision about where you want to start your legal career, at least as a summer associate. So as Dave mentioned in the intro, I've got a couple of my colleagues here to talk about sort of their process for preparing for the callback interview and actually how they did. So I've got Alex and uh, Stephanie. So why don't we kick it off with a few questions about sort of Alex, what were you looking for as you prepared for sort of your callback process? As I prepared for my callback process, it was kind of difficult trying to figure out what differentiated firms. As someone who didn't have a ton of background in the legal profession, and I couldn't really tell the difference from one firm to the other until I got into law school, the biggest thing for me was to try to determine who I would get along with the most, as as simple as that sounds, and, and what the culture was like at the firm. During OCI, you usually get an opportunity to meet with a lot of people, and that gives you kind of a good sense of what kind of values each firm really has and and the type of people that they put out there and that they send to OCI and the way they want to represent themselves. So I was just trying to determine what that best fit was and culturally how I would be able to make that transition from law school into a big law firm. Thanks, Alex. Did you only do callbacks in New York or were you looking other places too? I was looking in Philly also. So I grew up in North Jersey and then I went to undergrad at Penn in Philly. So I was kind of split between New York and Philly, but just those two markets. Got it. And Stephanie, how about you? As you prepared to do your callbacks, sort of what were you looking for uh, as you were making your list and deciding which callbacks to take? So for me, this was a very interesting process because I'm a first-generation Latina who grew up with immigrant parents. So no one in my family is a lawyer, knows a lawyer. And the only conception of a lawyer that we really knew was either an immigration lawyer or a public defender. And so knowing that I wanted to do big law because I was fortunate to have been part of these different pipeline programs, I thought to myself, I'm a first generation Latina. I need an opportunity and a place where I can grow and I can experience mentorship. So I really focused on getting to meet the people just like through OCI. But one of the things that I did to prepare for callbacks is that I looked through my network and not having that background coming from like a professional family, I knew that my network was going to be my law school peers. So I 
sent out emails asking people who had interviewed with the firms or who had summered previously with the firm so that I can get a little bit more insight on their experience. And through doing that process, I was able to start to identify which firms would provide some form of mentorship. And also, I gained a little bit of the insight of the people. And I knew for me that was super important because the firm was going to be the, my building blocks and the place where I was going to start my growth. So that's essentially what I was looking for, mentorship, an opportunity to grow, and also having the ability to be exposed to different areas of the law. Great. And so obviously you ended up at Jones Day, so we fit the bill in that respect. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of your callback and, and sort of what happened. I think it's just to provide a little more context for the law students, as someone who now has been at a firm for 15 years, been on the recruiting committee, done a lot of OCI, I wanted to give you sort of the context of what you're going to be facing and what you're looking at. So you've gone through OCI, you met with two attorneys from that firm. The way firms typically will set who gets a callback is they have pretty historic and good numbers on what their traditional acceptance rate is. So let's say that a firm has a 25% acceptance rate, just to make the math easy, and that they want to have a summer class of 25 summer associates. So that means they're going to make probably 100 offers based on the callback interviews. So to get 100 callbacks, they split that up amongst the schools that they go to. So let's say they interview at most of the top 20 schools. They'll have a certain number that they want to call back from each school. So as you, the law student, are walking into the callback interview, you and probably several of your classmates from your school got a call back from that particular firm. And then you're going to be one of many interviewees who are also from all those other schools that got a call back. So just to give you some context on how the numbers work and what the process is. So we talked a little bit about sort of preparing and what you're looking for. One thing that I wanted to ask both Alex and Stephanie is, as you were in your callback process and doing the actual interviews, and I'll start with you, Alex, how did diversity come up if it came up at all? Were you someone who asked about it on the front end? Did most firms sort of bring it up with you before you even asked about it? Or just can you tell me sort of what your experience was with that? Sure. There was something that Stephanie touched on in her previous answer that echoed my experience as well in terms of not really having anybody to give you advice during this process. I'm also first-generation Cuban-American. No attorneys in my family tree or really in any of our, our family network. So it was kind of a daunting task. And that meant that maybe we had to work a little bit harder to kind of establish those networks and leading up to the OCI process, reach out to alumni, reach out to people who are willing to help you at these law firms to kind of give you some information about how the whole process works and set you up for success as you enter into OCI. During the actual interviews themselves, there's a variety. Asking about diversity initiatives and in firms was always on my list to ask an interviewer. And that's one thing that I think is important, especially now as someone who's doing interviews, make sure that you have sufficient questions to ask interviewers during your 30-minute time slot. But I think that it was always on the top of my list to ask about what diversity initiatives the firms have. And it's really easy to sort of tell how seriously a firm takes diversity by the person's answer. And less maybe about what they're saying, but the way they say it. The firms that kind of just rattle off the standard talking points about, oh, we have an affinity group. It's great. You can join it. Those are great. But one thing that really jumped out to me about Jones Day was the interviewer talking about 
our Laredo project, which is the, the pro bono project that Jones Day has here at the, the Texas-Mexico border and the amazing work that Jones Day does for immigrants who are crossing the border there. So it's really easy to tell the passion that someone, an interviewer, or that a firm in general has for diversity um, just by sitting down and having that conversation in an interview. Thanks, Alex. Stephanie, how about you? Did the firms typically bring up diversity first, or did you ask them before they could bring it up with you, or what? So when I think about diversity, and I think as you're going through the process, one of the important things to sit with is, what does diversity mean to you? And the reason I say that is because diversity means a lot of different things for people, like diversity in the firm in terms of the types of lawyers with diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences that you're going to be interacting day to day, but also a firm's commitment to pipeline programs in terms of growing the number of diverse attorneys in the legal profession. And whether that is at the high school level, college or law school level, that can look very different. And so once you have a a vision of what diversity means to you. At that point, you become very intentional about the questions that you ask, but also about sorting through the different messaging that different firms give you. And so for me, my experience was a mix of firms led with, at our firm, we're very diverse, X amount of partners are women of color, first generation professionals. And then for other firms, it was, it became a conversation that I brought up because diversity was really important to me. And so things that were important to me in terms of diversity was ensuring that the firm was doing some form of initiative to foster the growth of diverse lawyers across different levels of students, like high school, college, law school, et cetera. And at the same time that they had some type of structure to ensure that not only were they bringing in diverse law students and future lawyers, but they were also doing something to retain them. And so as I was sorting through the different firms, I remember particularly my conversations with the Jones Day attorneys and that like they really stood out on the diversity point. And that's because of the engagement that they had in the community. For example, in the Los Angeles office right now, I'm working very closely with our hiring partner, Jason Wright. And one of the things that we do is have this partnership with the high school where we create different programming to help expose the high school students to different subject matters of the law. And so for me, that's a passion of mine. And so it's been amazing as a first year to be able to engage in that. But on the other end as well, I've been able to be part of the Hispanic Lawyers Group at Jones Day, where I've been able to form connections with different associates across the nation. And so that's been helpful to learn from their experiences and just being able to bounce ideas of someone. In terms of diversity, I think it's important to sit there and meditate to figure out what are the values of diversity that you really want to see in a firm. Thanks, Stephanie. I I remember my first call back in DC, and I won't mention the firm, but this is to Alex's point about sort of, it's not just what firms say, but how they say it. So it was my first call back and I was sitting there meeting with uh, the recruiting coordinator or or whoever sort of the non-lawyer was who was going to tell me about my schedule and the first person you meet. She was very nice and she said, well, I see, you know, you're a graduate of Duke. So we have a couple of Duke attorneys from Duke on the schedule and you're interested in litigation. So we have some litigators on the schedule for you. And she goes, and we also have, and then she like looked left and looked right and lowered her voice and said, uh, we also have some African-American attorneys 
on the schedule for you. And it was like the weirdest thing. Uh, one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. I was like, why is she whispering and why is she looking left and right? And, um, uh, and I said, well, thanks. That's, you know, very helpful. <laughs> and so, uh, but it was just a weird sort of way, an uncomfortable way to sort of, you know, talk about diversity. And and I just didn't have that experience uh, with most other firms, but um, especially Jones Day. It just, it was great. I had, I had a diverse slate of interviewers on my callback. Two were African-American and it was great to be able to talk to them, both senior associates. So it just, how the firm went about setting up a schedule for you is important. And not all of it has to be said. Like if you are clearly a diverse candidate, if a firm is at all thinking, they're going to have some diverse lawyers on the schedule for you to meet with. And I think that's sort of uh, par for the course. So let me ask this too, before we move on from diversity, and it's maybe something that you put in this bucket or not, but I'll, I'll start with you, Stephanie. Are there any questions that you would not ask during your callback interview, sort of before you get an offer? And they could be, you know, diversity related or anything else. But I'm just wondering if you have any advice on sort of what questions should should you not ask before you get an offer? And maybe the question you could ask after you get some offers. So this is this is always an interesting question that I also get from a couple of my mentees. And frankly, for me, it's like, I'm a very forward person. So if something, the way that I measure what question to ask and what not before I give specifics on which questions just to avoid, what are the values that are important to me? And so like, if there are certain things that are super important to me, like pro bono work, commitment to diversity, and generally, like, for example, like if you're looking for like work flexibility, like working across different offices across the nation, like those are the questions that you for sure want to ask in terms of what gets a little rocky and a little tricky questions about compensation, like different firms have different structures. And generally, like from a quick Google search, you can get like a general idea of what the compensation structures generally look like. But to sit there and ask during your callback, like very detailed specific questions like well what does lockstep means like do I get a bonus or not what about black box so what is that I, I just feel like those are questions that will come after the after you have an offer so that you really can sit there and figure out like what's important to you and answer like any doubt that you have about the firm I always say the rule of thumb is if you hesitate to ask the questions because you are unsure whether you should ask it or not, you probably should wait till after the offer. Normally, you you know, like you have that gut feeling. But I definitely feel compensation is just one of those tricky rounds to ask about. At, at least that's what comes to mind now, the top of my head. Okay, what about you, Alex? Any Any questions that you would wait to ask until after you get an offer? From a diversity perspective, I think that should be all on the table up front. I, I don't think that you should really ever hesitate to ask any representative of a firm about their diversity initiatives or, or how they feel like the firm addresses diversity. Gosh, and it's so context specific. For me, I don't know that I would ask partners about things like compensation, like Stephanie said, or maybe vacation time or remote work or, or things like dress code. I, I can speak from experience at Jones Day, and I'm sure a lot of other firms do this. After you receive an offer, we're so open and willing to connecting you with really anybody at the firm who can answer questions that you might have or concerns that you might have. I know we generally try to line up people who went to the same law school so you can talk to your, your fellow alumni. There are certain things that maybe are better addressed after 
the interview process, but you shouldn't hesitate to reach out to anybody after getting an offer. Because I, I know that Jones Day and most firms are just so open and willing to connecting you with people. Yeah. And I think just for context, I think for the law students, there's no super right or super wrong answer. I think if you ask three or four or five different people, you'll get some common answers and then you're going to get some variability depending on their own experience. So Alex, I think you're right. I think questions about diversity should be on the table. For me, especially as a diverse law student, I don't know if I would lead with that. Like if that's sort of your, I wouldn't frame it as like my most important question. The other thing I think is just like we said, it's important for not only what firms say about diversity, but how they say it, that equally applies to law students on how they ask questions, right? There's a couple of ways to ask about diversity at a law firm. One is like, hey, you know, can you tell me about some of the diversity initiatives you guys have or what's your experience been like here as a diverse attorney? Do you feel supported? That's one way. Another way is like, why are your numbers so low? You know, or like, you know, I, you know, like, I just think it could go both ways. So it depends how you ask the question. For comp and things like that, general questions are better. Specific questions like, how much did you make? Did you get the full bonus? Those things you should sort of stay away from because at the end of the day, what some fifth year associate who's interviewing you on the callback, whether they got the full bonus or not, I don't think it should be super important to your decision. So if you can talk generally about, like, hey, how do you guys do bonuses? Do you have any idea of sort of what percentage of people get the max bonus? Do they tell you? If you can keep it at a general level, I think that's, that's fair. In terms of sort of working from home, the pandemic sort of changed that a little bit, right? You know, as someone who was doing interviews even before the pandemic, I think it would just be an odd question if an associate was like, hey, how often do I have to come into the office? <laughs> that would be sort of, sort of an odd question. But given how different firms are handling in-person versus remote work, a general question about how have you guys been handling remote work? is perfectly acceptable the way you ask it, I think is important. Stephanie, I wanted to ask you about sort of follow-up questions. So you've, you've got the offer. For you as somebody who is on the interviewing side now, do you appreciate when people have follow-up questions? Do you find it annoying? Because I know everybody makes the offer to say, hey, call me if you have any follow-up questions. How do you find it? And, and also, once you got offers, did you do any follow-up diligence after you got offers from firms? This is definitely a great question. Now that I've had the opportunity to do a few interviews, one of the things that in terms of follow-up questions, what really stands out for applicants is when their questions are intentional rather than when they're general. Like if they're just asking a very broad question because, you know, they went on Google and they found it. I'm going to be like, okay, you, you found these Google questions. I'm not going to be too impressed, but I'm going to appreciate the question nonetheless. And when they do the research, for example, like on me, they're like, oh, I noticed that you were a Justice Corps member. How do you find the skills that you learned there translated over? Or how do you find being now in big law and having this public interest background? How have those two interests mesh? And so for me at that point, it becomes a very intentional question that an individual is asking. And so for me, I was like, oh, okay. In asking that question, I know that this person is thinking about being involved in the firm, not just in one dimension, but like in multiple different avenues. And I know that they're going to be well-rounded when they come 
to the firm and be a good firm citizen, engaging in our pro bono initiatives, as well as working really hard on the matters. And so for me, intention in terms of questions go a long way. In terms of the follow-ups that I did when I received the offers, one of the things that I'm really big on is mentorship, opportunity to different type of work, and just being able to be in a, in a space where I felt my perspective was going to be welcome. And so some of the follow questions that I asked individuals was like, well, how is work distributed? If I come here, am I just going to be given work? Are there like any trainings that will help propel like my career forward? Who can I have some type of guarantee that someone is going to be looking out for me? How do mentorship relationships develop or like what structures do you have? And so I was just very intentional to make sure that the infrastructure was going to be in place. So when I showed up, I was going to have access to the resources immediately. And so that's kind of how it worked out for me. And also if I didn't do this, but I know a lot of friends did this. They were really intentional about wanting to meet with specific individuals. Like, for example, I want to meet with the first generation Latina that came from like a low income background. And so at that point, you're asking to speak with someone with shared experiences so that you know how they are enjoying their time at the firm. So I think that's a great follow up because you're able to really gauge how you're backgrounds, your experiences are essentially going to play a role in the firm and how that's going to be received. Thanks, Stephanie. Alex, what about you? Was there any follow-up that you did or follow-up questions that that sort of are annoying to you that you get from anybody who actually takes you up on the offer? I kind of think about it in terms of follow-up questions during an interview. In most interviews, in most callbacks, the interviewer will normally, maybe with five seven, eight minutes left, turn it back to you and see if you have any questions about the firm. I think that's sort of a way of figuring out how much research you've done on the firm and you know how much you've thought about that firm in particular versus just in general working in big law. But my recommendation is when asking questions during an interview, the candidate should always listen and try to make it as conversational as possible. For me now, as I'm interviewing people, the thing that I don't like is when a candidate just kind of ticks through a list of questions that they have. So the second I stop talking in, in response to their questions, it's boom, on to the next one, on to the next one, and kind of no flow, no conversation. So one of the more important things is just try to keep it as conversational in an interview as possible. And listen, don't, don't just talk. In terms of after an interview or after getting an offer, you should absolutely reach out to people and leverage every network you have. Start with your school, see which alumni you have at that firm and reach out to them. The people that you're meeting with during a callback interview or even during a screener, it's just such a small subset of the people who work at that firm. And for me, I thought it would be really important to see what a first year attorney had to say about the firm, what the workload was like, what the transition was like from law school and how they were doing. So I reached out to alumni from my law school at Notre Dame just because I wanted a different perspective than the one that the firm was putting in front of me. I I wanted to see what people who were at my stage and, and had just taken the bar exam, I wanted to see how they were doing their first or second year at the firm. So it's totally appropriate to to reach out to people. And I think it's also important to just remember that OCI isn't just about firms judging and choosing you. 
It's also about you figuring out which firm and which employer would be the best for you to start your career at. And if you can get more insight into that by reaching out to people after an interview, you should absolutely do that and try to understand every data point you can before making that important decision of where you're going to work. Thanks, Alex. I think that's that's really helpful, especially the part about just sort of ticking through questions. I know that as part of sort of all of the evals, one of the things that people are asked to comment on is sort of like how the conversation flowed. If you have a bunch of questions that you want to get through, at least acknowledging that I think is important. If you ask about subject A and the lawyer gives you an answer and there's not a natural follow-up, I think something like, thanks for that answer. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask about a couple of other things that I just want to get through. It just makes the conversation easier. And it just at least is an acknowledgement that like, hey, we're running short on time and I just want to get these questions answered. Especially now, as a lot of interviews are on video and not in person, I can always see when a candidate is reading notes from a Word document on their computer. So it's very tempting to kind of have those notes up or have a little script written up on your computer that you kind of read from at certain points during the interview or, or when you're asking questions at the end. But it's always pretty evident whether you're kind of just being authentic and genuine and, and just speaking to your experiences or your, your genuine curiosity versus maybe reading like a, a list that your law school posted online. <laughs> yeah, uh, agreed. I want to make a couple other points. One is the types of questions that you get. And I want to talk a little bit about substantive questions. So as you guys will have probably experienced in the callbacks or on campus, you know, there's going to be some just sort of general small talk, et cetera. But some interviewers will like to ask substantive questions, especially if you are a candidate who is getting a callback at a firm that you're on the lower end or below that firm's grade guidelines. If you got that call back and you're on the lower end of the grade guidelines or below them, it probably means that they were really impressed with you and your personality and sort of how you conducted yourself during the on-campus part. But I want you to be aware that your grades are definitely something that are going to be talked about at the recruiting committee if you're on the low end or below grade guidelines. So one of the things I think interviewers will do is say, well, let me ask this candidate a substantive legal question. And it will be something along the lines of, tell me about your favorite class. What did you like about it? And an answer that is just superficial, like, oh, I really like the professor and it was more interesting than I thought it would be, is not something that's going to assuage those great concerns in the committee. Or, you know, tell me about what you wrote about in your, your 1L legal memo. You need to be able to go pretty deep and to talk about sort of what the legal issues were, what some of the claims were, what some of the defenses were, the reasoning of the judge, the class context, talk about sort of some of the really substantive legal issues that were covered. Because that's something that when I see candidates as someone on the recruiting committee, when we see someone have grades at the lower end of our guidelines, we want to be able to say in the evals, yeah, and we had a really substantive discussion about whatever last their favorite Supreme Court decision or what they found was the most important Supreme Court decision from last term, something like that. The other thing I'll say is as a law student, I think it can be a little bit daunting. You're like, well, I've got five or six or seven callback interviews. How am I going to make a decision about where to start my legal career based on meeting four or five people for half an hour at a firm? And I'll hear from Alex and Stephanie to see if they had the same experience I did. But I got a much stronger 
impression from the firm than I thought I would get. So that after I did three or four callbacks, I said, you know, Jones Day really felt the best to me. I felt like I'd fit in the most there. And if I decided to go to this other firm or this other firm, I think I'd be fine. But I definitely had like Jones Day felt the most at home for me. And I and I think and I hope that you guys as law students will sort of get that feeling as well. So Stephanie, I'll start with you. When you were going through this process, did you get a stronger feeling from one firm than another? And before I let you answer, I will say, look, at the end of the day, you're making a decision about where to start your legal career. You're going to a really good law school. You've got good grades. So the worst that can happen is you start someplace in 12 or 24 months later, you figure you don't like it. You can get a different job. This is not a shave your head and deploy you overseas kind of, and you have to stay for four years. I've had that kind of job. And I will tell you as someone who's been in a law firm for 15 years, this is not that. So take it with a grain of salt. But Stephanie, I'll ask you, did you have sort of a subjective feeling from Jones Day or other places after you did callback interviews? Absolutely. I always feel like you know in your gut as you're doing these callbacks, either something will stick out or the sense of comfort that you feel that you'll know, like, this is the right place for me. So I absolutely had that gut feeling. And there were several reasons and several things that like stood out. And I think for me, like, on a very basic level was the relationship that I saw like at Jones Day that attorneys had with their secretaries, their paralegals, and just receptionists generally. And it was such a collaborative, friendly environment. It didn't feel hierarchical. And coming from a low-income community, for me, that sense of respect and to just see it as soon as I walked into the office and can tell, I, I knew for me, okay, like this is a place where my background, like my values definitely are in tune. And on a more nuanced level, this was like the start of my career. And for me, I knew that I wanted to be in a place where I would feel supported. My questions would be welcome, that there was like a mentor I can identify. And definitely at Jones Day, I found that. For example, like in comparison to other firms, like they were great. Like one of the offers that, that I had, like, it, it was a great, I really liked the people. But then one of the things that I noticed is that a lot of like the key work wasn't happening in that particular office location. So I knew if I went to this firm, I would probably just be stashed away in a little in a little office because all the key attorneys were going to be out of town and not really giving opportunity to like grow or like or for mentorship. And at Jones Day, I immediately saw that. And I, I'm definitely a planner and I like to be in places where I can also try to see myself in the long run, just like scaling through like the different ranks. And at Jones Day, one of the things that really stood out for me was how many lifers they had, people who started as summer associates and later went on to become partners. And that for me, like really spoke volumes because it indicated that the firm was doing something to retain their people. And just like the people who had been there, they were just so down to earth. And I knew, okay, it's just the environment. I, I will say the, the people, the environment, the support for me, it just spoke values. And I, and I knew, I knew from after I was done with my, with my callbacks that this was the place for me. Well, I'm glad I wasn't alone in that department. And as someone who is a Jones Day lifer coming up on 15 years, I can tell you that was 
an impressive point for me as well. And I didn't know if I'd be around that long, but now I am a lifer and, and I'm here 15 years. Alex, how about you? Was there some a sort of subjective feeling that you got amongst the firms that gave you a comfort level to accept the offer here? A hundred percent. Yeah. I also had that gut feeling after meeting with Jones Day. Whenever I speak to law students who are interviewing, I always tell them that when you're doing interviews, whether they're the initial interviews or callbacks, there are a lot of boxes that you're going to have to check. You're going to have to meet a certain grade requirement. You're going to have to prepare, be able to speak intelligently about your background and your skills, research the firm and have those questions ready to ask your interviewer. It's just so important on top of all of those things to be yourself and to be authentic. Because if you're not authentic, then you really don't have an understanding for how you're going to feel at the firm and how that firm is going to accept you. When you're a law student, and particularly when you don't have any experience with anybody who's a lawyer, and I I didn't know anyone who was a lawyer when I went into law school, it's just so tempting to try to emulate someone else or to try to say, oh, law firms want this kind of person, so I'm going to act like this and put on a show so that I can get the job. But when you do that, you might wind up at a certain firm, but are you really going to be happy there as you start your career? Or are you going to be happy there long term? It's just so important to be your authentic self in these interviews. This way, you know, when you feel that connection with a firm, you'll understand that when you start, you know, you're going to be accepted and, and that firm is going to leverage whatever makes you unique to help them. And when I left my initial interview with Jones Day, I was really worried because I didn't really get to speak about any of my my background because it was just such a great conversation and I just clicked immediately with those interviewers. Going in and being prepared and being knowledgeable, but also being open and honest about who you are is super important in finding that right fit. I I just want to add something. I was definitely snapping like my fingers to everything that Alex was saying because I absolutely am a firm believer. Like you just need to bring authentically you and and that's exactly how you're going to end up in the place that you're supposed to and just to kind of you know highlight uh some of the things that i've been able to enjoy just because i brought my personality is i love wearing bright colors and every single day whether it's in my nails or like my shirt or my pants i like walking with my bright colors and i just feel so welcome and embraced it seems so simple but it's those little things of your personality and having the ability to just showcase that really goes a long way also to making sure that you're happy at a place and that you're able to stay there for for a long time. Awesome. Well, hey, Alex, Stephanie, I really appreciate you guys joining me today for the podcast and law students. Thanks for listening. I hope OCI goes really well for you and I hope callback interviews are equally fruitful. So please join us for our next episode where we're going to talk about how to be a successful summer associate. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.